listening to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Five keys to staying pure in your younger years. I want you to take notes on this. This is going to help some people. It's going to be practical, but there's also going to be principles that you need to implement in your life immediately. Principles that you need to implement in your life immediately. Because what I've seen, I'm just going to kind of give you why I kind of got on this topic and why it's kind of stirring in my spirit. What I see and what I've been seeing is young people, and it really ticks me off to be completely honest with you, um, because it's, it's, it's a work of the devil that, that kids fall into. Not just like young kids, but like, you know, people my age, 18, 19, 20, all the way through 30, you know. This isn't just a, a middle school thing, but what I see happen all the time is that young people will get on fire for the Lord at a youth camp or, I'm not, I'm not young, but I'll implement these into my children. Yeah, implement them right into their children. Um, just do it. They get on fire, let's say at youth camp or at some revival service or whatever, and they're all on fire for the Lord. They think, you know, they, they're, I'm going to go back and I'm going to win my generation for Christ. So their intentions are good. But when they get home, they find that there's no fire word from a preacher. There's no uh, uh, fire praise and worship band going. There's no smoke and lights. There's no youth pastors doing daily devotionals with them in their cabin. And so they feel kind of deflated. And I can tell you this as a fact because this was me. This was me. As a young person, this was me. I would go to see my uncle preach in the summer, um, and I would, I would get on fire. I was called into the ministry one year, baptized in the Holy Ghost in another year. I was saved, obviously not, it was saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled, uh, called into ministry. But all these years I would have experiences, like real true experiences with the Lord. And so I would go home thinking, this is awesome. Let me just like live every day like, like you know, like this. So my intentions were right. But I found very quickly that intention doesn't do the work for you. Very quickly, things start to slip. And if you've ever been in this situation, you know, then your, your uh, standards that you once held so high start to slip. Your, uh, your devotional time that you once uh, had a great importance on begins to slip. And so what happens? You're on a mountaintop with God, but you allow yourself to slip back into what you used to do. And so the sad thing is, what happens a lot of the times is kids not understanding this principle, not understanding the danger of this, they'll get all on fire, they'll repent of sin, they'll get rid of every wicked thing in their life during camp, but then when they get home, you start to see that purity slip and they let things into the life that, that are blatant sin that eventually drags them to hell. And I'm not saying that for dramatic effect, but let's just put it, let's just state this at the outset. And I want you to write it in the comments, write this in your notes at the head, at the head of your notes. If you're taking notes on the live stream or the replay, um, write this in big letters because this is important. Unrepentant sin leads you to hell. 
unrepentant sin leads you to hell. 100% of the time. I'm going to say it again. It's not popular. It doesn't, it's not said in youth group ever. Unrepentant sin will lead you to hell. I, I'm just going to say it right out. I don't get with these preachers who say once saved, always saved. I don't believe it. It's very clearly unscriptural. Once saved, always saved. How many know there's nothing we can do to fall from His grace? No matter what you do, you'll still be in His arms. False. And in fact, preachers like that, either knowingly or unknowingly, are lulling a generation to sleep and, and sending them to hell. Because what's the idea? This is, this is how it practically happens. You go to a youth camp, you get on fire. or you go to, This happens weekly for some people. Sunday morning service, you repent of sin. You're like, oh, I feel so clean. I just, I just got rid of that sin, whether it be lust, whether it be, you know, whether it be, I don't know, I don't think like people my age are murdering, but you know, whether it be like, you know, murder and, and uh, felonies and stuff. You repent of sin, you feel so clean, and then you start to uh, hear people say stupid things like, uh, like this. Well, how many know Jesus paid for our past, present, and future sins? So when he saved you, he already knew that you were going to sin today. And so you're not surprising God when you sin. And so it gets people in this mindset that, oh, really, I know God's not okay with sin. He's not cool with sin, but he kind of expects me to sin. And, and really, if I sin, I can just right after my plan is just to repent. And to ask for forgiveness, then I'll be clean again. And so this is what happens. It gets, it gets young people into this cycle of sin that very quickly leads them down the wrong path and eventually into hell. It's, it's a vicious cycle of sin. Well, God will forgive you, bro. And that's the voice that, um, that's the, the voice that happens in your mind. Well, well, God will just forgive you. You can do that. Have fun now. You can ask for forgiveness later. And so, I I want to very strongly come against that. I want to knock that thought process out of your mind. Because chances are, and put it in the comments or on the replay, if you've heard someone say that to you, well, it doesn't matter what we do. He's, you know, we can't out-sin God's forgiveness. Something to that effect. It's a lie. Unrepentant sin leads you to hell 100% of the time. So what is our lifestyle supposed to look like? Is it supposed to look like up and down? Is it supposed to look like uh, mountain and valley, mountain and valley, holiness and sin, then holiness, then sin? No, it's a lifestyle of purity. Purity. People don't talk about this word. This word is, is attacked now. And you'll hear TikTokers or uh, people on Instagram come against what they call the, the, the purity culture. Or like they'll come against... Uh, they call it legalism, the purity culture. And, you know, they rag on people for like, for like overdoing it. Like, like there's an idea that like you can overdo being pure. You can't be too pure for God. Let me just tell you that. And another thing I'll say right now, and I'll show you the scripture for it, because this, this is going to go against everything you've ever heard in church. How many know God doesn't expect us to be perfect, amen? Let me just pull it up here. God doesn't expect us to be perfect, amen? 
How many have heard that? I've heard that. God said, Matthew 5, Be be ye therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be ye perfect, even as God is perfect. God in the Old Testament. Be holy, even as I am holy. So this idea that we're, we're supposed to uh, fall to a, a lower standard of God, that is not the Bible. And anyone who tells you or tries to lull you into a sleepy version of sin or like some view of sin that gets you to just, you know, coast through life, just thinking, oh, God will forgive me, God will forgive me. That is a doctrine of demons. A doctrine of demons. I don't care how many youth pastors tell you that you're not supposed to live perfect. I don't care how many pastors in, in uh, cool outfits tell you that you know we sin every day. It's not the Bible, and you need to get those voices out of your life because they don't even realize it. I, I really don't believe that many preachers have sinister intent. They don't realize it, but in that day, it, on Judgment Day, there will be people who attended pastors' churches who will have to look across the chasm of hell and say, why didn't you tell me that I had to live holy? Why didn't you tell me that I had to live holy? And so, if it sounds like I'm angry, I've, just been, <laughs> I've been made aware that when people don't meet me, I come off as angry and, uh, and sarcastic. Which I'm sorry for that. I'm not angry at you. Um, I'm very happy. I'm a happy person. But I'm teaching this today because I really, I really do care because, and, and I haven't seen any of it yet. I'm, I mean, it's just like, there's going to be a time when I, when I start to travel and preach that this, this is going to irritate me to a, a greater degree. Because I've only seen a small portion of it being a youth pastor. And it ticked me off. But to see a great uh, revival or young people being uh, touched by the Holy Spirit, their lives changed, being roped back into sin and lulled to sleep by preachers themselves irritates me. It does. It's going to irritate me even more and more. But I want to give you five practical keys to staying pure as a young person. And really, this is very pertinent to young people, but you can apply these keys at any age. Hello, Mr. Petty. Good to see you. I miss you. Um, Five keys to staying pure in your younger years. Number one, this is very practical. This is going to be the one you need to take action on immediately. Number one, write in the comments, write in your notes. Learn to spot a Delilah. Learn how to spot a Delilah. What do I mean by that? What is a Delilah? Well, my uncle always says it like this. When God wants to bless you, many of you have heard him say this. When God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. When the devil wants to curse you, he puts a person in your life. I think if I were being, uh, if I had to pick, I would say this is the number one reason that people fall into uh, this cycle of sin. They fail to live pure. 
Not because they don't want to. Not because they're at enmity with God and they're shaking a middle finger at God. They can't spot a Delilah. What is a Delilah? A Delilah is a person that the devil has mobilized to go into your life and rip you out of your calling. A Delilah is a person mobilized by the devil to enter your life and rip you out of your calling. Go back to the book of Judges. Samson was a great man of God called for great things. An angel of the Lord came to his mother and father. And really, most, most people believe, I believe myself, that wasn't just an angel. That was a Christophany. That was a Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. Because when you read it, they say, what is your name? He says, my name is, uh, is too great for you to even understand. That's Jesus. Um, so Jesus, I believe, comes to uh, Samson's parents and says, you're going to have a great man of God. Number one, he has some instructions. Don't cut his hair. Number two, he has instructions for the mother. Don't drink any alcohol, any wine or alcoholic drink. This is for his mother. So understand that Samson had a very great calling on his life. But if you read the end of the book, Samson uh, died as a prisoner and in shame. That's right. That's right. What's up, Didi? Samson started out with a great calling, great potential. He even had prophetic words spoken over him. Let me tell you something. And let me say this very carefully. It doesn't matter what prophetic word was spoken over your life at youth camp, at uh, revival, at whatever, if you don't leave that camp and walk in the prophetic word. But God said, I was going to shake my generation. I don't understand how I'm dealing with sin. You deviated from the prophetic word. So how did Samson fall into that pit? Uh, starting off his life as supposed to you know, be a great judge or one of the uh, leaders of a nation. He was the leader of a nation. God himself prophesied that this man would be powerful. No one would be able to match him. No one be, would be able to defeat him. He would, he would lead Israel into freedom. That's what God said. But then how did this same man lit, uh, die, disgraced, uh, a prisoner of war, with no eyes and shame, on his family name. He had a problem with Delilah's. He had a problem with Delilah's. How do you spot a Delilah? Because this is, this is one thing that's like a skill that you'll have to have for your entire life. There's not only uh, one time the devil's going to attack you with this. This is one of his main modes of operation. You know, I started thinking about it, and I almost posted in my story the other day. But thinking about ministers, specifically, because I've been thinking about young ministers a lot. Um, but I, I was thinking to, to post the number one thing that once, once the devil sees that you're going to make an impact on your generation... The number one thing he'll do is send someone in your path, not, not usually, not even someone who's uh, sinful, because everyone, everyone thinks of that first. 
Like, oh, it's, someone's going to walk into my life and they're going to they're gonna hand me a joint and be like, do this or you're not cool. Like, that's not how it works. Usually it's a person who could be even a Christian. Could be a Christian, but they're actually mobilized by hell to bring you down in your calling. In Samson's case, it was a girl. Now let me talk to the guys for a second, and girls, and then I'll talk to you. Guys. It doesn't matter that she's saved. It doesn't matter that she's filled with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter that she goes to your church. If she is sent by hell to destroy you, bring you out of your calling, lull you to sleep, don't have anything to do with that person. But brother, she loves the Lord. I don't care. The devil will use people like that. Why? Because you've got your, your, your reasons, your list of reasons why they're, they're great for you. Well, she, you know, she said that her dream is this and, and she loves the Lord. And, you know, she posts on her story that she does Bible study every day. And so, so you've got those reasons. You've got the reasons of, well, she's like very pretty and I've never had a pretty girl. It doesn't matter. It's bait from the enemy. And this is why discernment, these these practical tips that I'm going to give you, and discernment with the Holy Ghost are so important. Because as soon as that person walks into your life, and I'll tell you, they'll walk into your life unannounced. As soon as they do, there's going to be an alarm that goes off in your spirit. If you're connected with God, you know, if, if you uh, are actually living for the Lord. My great friend from Venezuela. Um, there's going to be a, an alarm bell that goes off in your spirit. Because it's the Holy Ghost warning you. This person is not for you. Not only... Do you need to uh, run from her? And I'm still talking to guys here. You need to run from her so fast that it looks like you hate her. You say, that's harsh. Yeah, I know it's harsh. What's more important? Answer, answer it right now in your mind. What is more important? That girl or your entire life's calling and eventually your uh, eternity? Answer that right now. Now, ladies, let me explain this to you. It's the same thing. Doesn't matter if he goes to your church. Doesn't matter if he uh, leads worship or, he, you know, he's got a God's greater in the highs and lows tattoo. Doesn't matter if he's got the dangly cross earring. And then he, you know, he talks about the Lord and, oh, he's got a future. If he's not for you, he's not for you. Run. Run. Learn how to spot a Delilah. Learn how to spot and remove a Delilah from your life. The devil will use this over and over and over again. And you see it in the life of Samson. He didn't even realize. Do you think Delilah was the first girl that that tried to rip him out of his calling? No. (laughs) There was a prostitute before Delilah. And so you look at the life of Samson and you think, how could someone be that stupid? How could someone be that, uh, like, dull, that uh, just, like, dunce, dense, that much of a dunce. 
that a prostitute tries to kill him and then another girl tries to do it three times and each time he doesn't see it. You start to think, how can someone be that dumb? Well, my answer is Delilah was probably very attractive. If I was being a true, uh, a true student of the word and exegeting scripture like I should, I think the only thing to, uh, to come to the conclusion of is that Delilah was a good-looking woman. It's the only thing that makes sense. It really is. Because every time D- Delilah would, would trick Samson, he knew, he knew that he was being tricked. He would fall asleep. What's, what's the secret to your power, Samson? He tells her something fake. You know, that, that's the only smart thing he ever did. Tells her something fake. He falls asleep. She did that very thing, and there's dudes in the closet trying to kill him. Okay, you know, fool me once, right? Does it again. What, Samson, tell me, what's, <laughs> what's the secret to your power? Tells her another fake thing. That same fake thing happens to him. There's dudes in his closet the next morning. Third time, he finally tells her the actual thing. And again, she tries to kill him, and this time it was successful. And there's a very, um, there's a very, uh, sad line of scripture in the book of uh, Judges that I, you know, every time I read it, it almost makes me like w- want to weep because it says the final time when Samson finally told Delilah what uh, was his actual power, and then she does that. She cuts his hair. That, that was the secret to his power. He knew that. She now knew that. And so she does it in the middle of the night, cuts off his braids, cuts off his hair. The men come to, uh, to bind him up like they had done twice before. And twice before, Samson had killed them all and turned right back to Delilah. This time, the Bible notes, he woke up, the men come at him, and Samson, not realizing that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. That's it. Not realizing that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Do you realize that you can compromise to a point where your conscience is so dead? You've heard from the Lord so many times. The Lord has warned you so many times. And you've ignored that your spirit is dead and you've walked away from the faith. You can't even hear the Lord's voice anymore, not realizing that the spirit of the Lord left you. That's sad. Why? Because Samson couldn't spot a Delilah. She looked fine. She was there to kill him. Okay? So number one, learn how to spot a Delilah. Number two, lose lust for the world. Lose lust for the world. These next uh, four points are going to go pretty quickly. So I want you to take notes. Lose lust for the world. Psalm chapter, or not Psalm chapter 4. I know Psalm doesn't have chapters. Psalm 4. This should be your attitude. Psalm 4. You know, a lot of times, especially if you're in public school, you can uh, feel like, well, I don't really know why I'm living holy. I see everyone else doing this, and I see everyone else doing that. And in some way, it entices you. In some way, it kind of woos you to think, 
their life is, you know, they're living on cloud nine. They get to do these things. And then you start to look at your Christianity as a list of do's and don'ts. Well, I can't do, I can't go there because I'm a Christian. I can't, I can't drink those things because I'm a Christian. I just, I can't do it. Um, you know, I, I would go to that party, but I'm, I, I do have church on Sunday morning. Um, and so I, I just can't. I just, I go to church. It's something that I do. You start to lessen your view of who you are because you think what they're doing is so fun. Lose your lust for the world. When you're scrolling through Instagram, tapping through Snapchat stories, and you see other people doing things that obviously are blatant sin, you need to kill the voice that says, I wish I could be there. I wish I could be doing those things, but I'm a Christian. Kill that voice immediately. When that voice comes up, because that's what temptation is. When that voice comes up, you need to attack it with everything that you have. It's an enemy. It's an enemy. This is what David said. You have put, he's talking about the Lord, you have put more joy in my heart than they have. Who's he talking about with they? They, he's talking about the heathen. So he's saying, thank you, Lord, that you've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. You've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. To put it in high school terms, Lord, you've put more joy in my heart than they have when they're drunk and, and high and at parties. Because what happens is, you start to lose the excitement for the Lord because you think what they're doing is so exciting. You start to forget that the Holy Ghost is better than a drug. You start to forget that the Word of God is better than any drink you could have. You start to forget that a right relationship with God is the peace that you need, not weed. You start, start to forget those things and you see the lust, you see the things of the world and, and your flesh lusts after it. Wants to be there, wants to be doing those things, but I'm a Christian. And so it's not just the, it's not just the act of sinning that you need to kill, it's the want for sin. You need to rip that taste out of your mouth. Attack it with everything within you. To the point that all you can think about when you see people living in sin is, man, they need to get saved. They don't know the joy that I have. They don't know the peace that I have. They don't know the drug that I have. That should be your reaction. And so people need to learn this because it, though it comes through uh, living for the Lord, it comes through walking with the Lord. You start to get um, acquainted with His way and, and everything else. It's like that song I always sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into His uh, wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. But it needs to be taught. It needs to be taught that that's an enemy. That not only the act of sin is bad, but the uh, inward desire. And I'm not talking about temptation. Everyone will be tempted until they go home to heaven. I'm talking about the desire for sin. Jesus said, if a man even lusts for a woman, after, you know, lust after her in his, in his mind, he's committed adultery. There's a lust for the world that you need to kill. So number, number two, lose lust for the world. Number three, decide who you want to be fast. 
and act on it. Decide who you want to be fast and act on it. Here's the only thing I'll say about this. Do you want to be, uh, and I posted this on my story, and I, and I was talking about ministers, but it has, it has to do with Christians too. Young people need to decide whether they want to be an, uh, an Instagram influencer or a man of God. People need to decide what they want to be fast. Do you want to be the Instagram influencer? And you can tell what people want to be just by their Instagram posts. I start to wonder what people's goal is. Why are you posting those gym pics? Like, look at the uh, intention behind it. Why are you posting those gym pics? Why are you posting those shirtless pics? Why are you posting HMU at 2 o'clock in the morning? Because you want, you're, you're, you want to be someone else. You want to be someone else. You're acting like that, you know, that influencer that you see all the time. You're acting like that, uh, that YouTuber that you see all the time. Decide who you want to be. Do you want to be anointed? Or do you want to have uh, what they have? Oh, he's, got all the, he's got all the girls after him. I know he's got all the girls after him. Do you want to be anointed? Do you want to be that? Act accordingly. Number four, confess who you are. And this goes with number, number three. Confess who you are. If you've made up your mind, no. I'm not going to be that. I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a woman of God. In weak times where your flesh is tempted to do things, don't start to uh, think on those things. Instead, out of your mouth, and this is, this is probably one of the keys to living holy that people miss. Because, you know, they teach on, well, you've got to resist the temptation. How do you resist temptation? How did Jesus resist temptation? Did he think hard enough and think, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Did he just think hard enough about it? Think about, you know, think about God. No, he didn't think about God. You're welcome for that, that gun chomping. He didn't think about God really hard. He didn't, he didn't uh, just like crawl up in a ball, get into a prayer. What did he do? He spoke the word. He spoke the word. Confession is a weapon that, that you wage against temptation. Confession is a war that you wage against temptation. Whenever you feel like, uh, you know, that, that, that feeling of temptation, actually say out of your mouth. I'm not saying, uh, you know, think about it and, you know, mull it over and start to believe it. Actually say out of your mouth, no devil, I'm not a sinner. And I'm not saying, I'm literally saying, say it out of your mouth wherever you are. No devil, I'm not a sinner. I'm a man of God. Just saying, just waking up and saying, I'm a man of God or I'm a woman of God will be enough to get your mind back in order. Because you know what a woman of God should do. You know what a man of God should do. And so when you say, I am that thing, you're literally, you're identifying yourself with how God identifies you. Confess who you are. I'm not a sinner. I'm a man of God. I'm a holy person. I'm a righteous person. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. 
I'm a peculiar people. Just start confessing what the Word of God says. It'll drive temptation out just like it did for Jesus. So number one, to recap, number one, learn how to spot and remove a Delilah. Number two, lose lust for the world. Number three, decide who you want to be fast. And number four, confess who you are. Number five, number five, live in the Word of God. Live in the Word of God. You know, we'll change this. I want you to write in the comments, write in your notes. For number five, be a man if you're a man, or a woman if you're a woman, of the Word. Be a man or a woman of the Word. You know why I like saying, you know, like instead of saying like action words like read the Bible, I like saying be a man of the Word better. Because it, it, gives it, it gives you an identity to look at. Because you've heard, you've, I've described people this way and I've heard other people described this way. Well, he was a man of the word. And you start to think, who were, who were they talking about? Well, I've heard that said of Lester Sumrall. I've heard that said of, of uh, um, John G. Lake, A.A. Allen, Oral Roberts, you know, my uncle. So when, when you start to get that identity... You start to say, okay, that, that's a man of the word. So you get, to, you get to line them up and say, if that's what a man of the word looks like, and I'm a man of the word, this is what I do. So instead of having it be actions, have it be an identity. That's always more powerful. Even psychologists will tell you that if you, if you act from identity, it's stronger than acting from will. Nothing you do in Christian life should be because you want to. Everything we do as a Christian is based on our identity. I don't wake up and read the Bible because I want to. I wake up and read the Bible because I'm a man of the word. You should wake up and read the Bible because you're a woman of the word. And that's anointed. When you say that, and when you confess that, you start to see yourself that way. And why be a man and woman of the word? Why does this keep you pure? I actually pulled this up for you. So, we'll start in Psalm 119, verse 9. It can't be simpler than this. It literally can't. Psalm 119, verse 9. The psalmist says this, How can a young man keep his way pure. Or the NLT says, how can a young person stay pure? I literally could have just read you this verse and answered the question in the title. How can a young person stay pure? The answer, by obeying your word, Lord. By obeying your word, Lord. The NIV says, by living according to your word. David said, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David's key to holiness was, I filled myself up so much with the word of God that other things look foolish to me. I've always made this analogy. It's like being offered a Big Mac, or let's just say like that, being offered a McRib and then at the same time being offered Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I don't know if you've been to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, 
But I have. That steak is amazing. The McRib uh, should be outlawed by the FDA. And so if you've got a choice between the two, think about yourself being someone who regularly and every day eats at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. You eat all the finest steaks, all the finest seafoods, all the finest sides, all the finest desserts. You're that person. You're, <laughs> I, I don't think there's anyone in the world who, who eats there every day. But think of yourself as a very wealthy person that eats the finest things on earth. And then thinking, think of someone offering you a McRib. It just loses its allure. Like, let me tell you, a McRib was very alluring during a 21-day fast. A McRib was very alluring during the 21-day fast. So much so that on our way home from the broadcast, my goal during this last 21-day fast was to leave here and drive straight to McDonald's, not to get a McRib because they discontinue it but to get a Big Mac. That was my goal because 21 days had passed, I hadn't eaten anything, and that was what looked enticing to me. Because why? Because I was starved, okay? So understand this, when you're starved, anything looks good. So now think of this. If I regularly ate at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and someone offered me a McDonald's, would I want it? No. Why? Because I don't stoop to that level. And so in the same way, when you're starved of the word, when you're starved of the Bible. You don't have the Word of God flowing in you constantly. Sin looks good. Just like on that 21-day fast, when I had e eaten nothing, I was starved of food. McDonald's looked good. When you're starved of the Word, sin looks good. But when you constantly eat, and the Bible constantly refers to itself as food, Jesus said, I am the bread of heaven that has come down from God. He is the Word made flesh. When you constantly read, when you constantly intake the scripture, sin starts to look uh, lowly. And you start to think to yourself, I'm, I'm above that. Like, you, you start to develop a disgust. Like, it, it doesn't even look good. Like I, I, like, I want you to write this in your notes under that point. I'm so far above that. I'm so far above that. And that's one of the confessions you can make uh, if you're ever tempted. Number one, no, devil, I'm a man of God. I'm a, I'm a holy person. You confess the word of God about holiness. Then you say, I'm so far above that. And it's true. It's not arrogant to say that. You're so far above drinking. You're so far above getting drunk. You're so far above sleeping around. You don't even realize it, but you're a king and you're a, a queen. You're a prince and a princess. Though you're, not, though you're in this world, you're not of this world. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God has raised you up to seat you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You're so far above sin. I wish I could tell young people that. I wish I could have a one-on-one -on -one session with every young person that I, could, that I could sit down with and say, you're so far above that. Jesus paid such a high price for you. Don't look, don't look at the world and get enticed. Don't look at sin and get enticed. You're so far above it. That'll be my counseling session as a youth pastor. Just letting you know. Someone comes to me. I don't know. I'm, I'm dealing with sin. I'm dealing with temptation. I'm going to give them practical things. I'm going to pray for them. 
But a lot of it, you know, Christians, people think it's, it's harsh, but Christians, I, I've said it a lot, unbelievers don't need to be rebuked for sin. You don't rebuke, you know, like, I can't believe, don't be shocked when unbelievers or sinners sin. Don't be shocked when they do that. That's in their nature. It is, however, surprising when Christians sin. Well, God's not caught by surprise. Yeah, he is. It's not who he created you to be. So you're living against how he's created you to be. You're living against your own divine nature. And so people think it's harsh for a pastor or a Christian to rebuke others for sin or rebuke other Christians for sin. But that's not actually biblical. Paul actually says to, to pastors, rebuke them if they continue in sin. First go to them privately, compel them to stop. But if they continue to sin, rebuke them in front of everybody. Imagine if that's what happened in churches now. Think about that. Your pastor gets, <laughs> gets up on Sunday morning and does what the Bible says. Paul, Paul instructed. If, a, if a, a person continues in sin and doesn't take the word of the Lord seriously, doesn't take repentance seriously, your pastor getting up. Before we uh, talk about our series on love today, I'd just like to, Sister Mary, could you stand up right here? Now, Sister Mary has been engaged in adultery for about nine months now. I've told her to stop many times, <laughs> but she hasn't stopped. And so, Sister Mary, I'm rebuking you in front of everybody. Stop sleeping around with a dude you're not married to. And so if you, t listen, if you DM me and you, and many have, yeah, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with this sin, I, you'll know that I'll help you. I'll, ca I'll counsel you out of God's word. I'm not going to, I'm not going to post on Instagram your faults. But what I am saying is it's not wrong to harshly speak to believers about sin. Why? Because it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. So my counsel, you know, my counseling sessions, or if a young person comes up to me and tells me, you know, I'll counsel them from God's word, but a lot of it will be, what are you doing? You know, a, a great youth pastor. This is his catchphrase, Pastor Cody Spencer. I've heard from his youth kids, multiple of, you know, all of his youth kids. If I'm ever doing something wrong, and he doesn't do it unlovingly, but if I'm ever doing something stupid or living how I'm not supposed to live and he knows about it, Sometimes he'll just sit down and look at me and say, what are you doing? And that, and it's, and they said it hits them right because it's so far, you're so far above it. You're so far above it. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, I thank you for everyone watching on the replay. I thank you for everyone watching live. I thank you for everyone listening on the podcast. Father, thank you that we are holy people, that we're men and women of God, that we don't bow our knee to the culture of this world, that we don't see the things of this world and get enticed. But as we look upon you, as we look to you, the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Thank you, Jesus, that we're holy. Thank you, Jesus, that you've made us perfect. Thank you, Jesus, that you've made us spotless. Thank you, Jesus, that you've made us righteous. Thank you that we can walk in holiness and purity. And no scheme of the enemy can bring us down into sin ever again in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, I rebuke any demonic spirit. You know what? I'll pray this because that's what I felt heavy on my spirit. This is a two-part thing. Number one, I'm going to pray for you. But number two, you've got to do it.
Father, right now in Jesus' name, I curse wrong relationships. Lord, any Delilah that's been sent into their lives right now, I pray that you'd break it off in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that you'd send them to another state in the name of Jesus. Pray that you'd send them to another state in the name of Jesus. Cut off that relationship. Let it wither and die at its root in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know what's funny? Thinking about that, I actually remember. You think that prayer doesn't work, send them to another state. I started thinking, that prayer works. I have, uh, I've lived in the fruit of that prayer. One time, and we'll end with this. One time in uh, high school, I um, love you, love you from Argentina. Um, I was, uh, I really liked this girl that I knew I, knew I shouldn't uh, have been with. I really, I, I knew it, you know, I wasn't like really living <laughs> really well for the Lord. I was, uh, and, and it was part, partly because of this relationship. And so I got into this relationship and uh, <laughs> I just remember, I remember a woman of God uh, reminding me, rebuking me, but in a, a very loving way. I did not heed the instruction. The instruction was, you know what you're doing. Th- like, same thing. What are you doing? <laughs> that was the instruction. Quit doing that. that was the, I, I knew that leaving the conversation. I didn't listen. I was too thick-skulled. And so I left. Um, <laughs> I didn't do anything about it. I thought, no, 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 we could just be together forever, and it's, it's okay. She, she said she was a Christian one time. Um, and, you know, little did I know that that woman of God kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. Uh, I don't know exactly the prayers that she prayed, but the effect of her prayer was that this girl unexpectedly got sent to another state. Like, and I'm, when I tell you unexpectedly, I'm telling you, like, this girl was so shocked that the thought had never entered her mind of, of like, her ever moving. And her parents one day, for whatever reason, still to this day, could not tell you. Didn't make sense financially, literally. Not, none of it added up. Didn't have, it wasn't because of family, it wasn't because of this, it wasn't because of that. It wasn't because of better opportunity. It wasn't because of better school zone. No, no, no. One day, came into her room and said, hey, uh, we're moving. And meanwhile, this was a while I was on FaceTime. So, you know, you imagine like 13-year-old Alex, 14-year-old Alex, I was not. You know, it was pretty. It was a pretty weird experience. Said, "We're moving. When are we moving? A month. <laughs> Never to be seen again." So, when I tell you that prayer works, I'm telling you from experience that prayer works. So, you know, be careful. I'm telling you. But I'm telling you, listen. Those people will leave your life, and you'll be the happiest you could ever be. And I'm telling you that very truthfully. Very, very truthfully. Listen, guys, I love you. Thanks so much for being on. Um, I could have just recorded this and released it, but I like live streams better. Just being on.